Shalom, Shalom. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Truth Matters. Today, we'll be proving that the Messiah was prophesied to come in the Old Testament. The reason I'm discussing this is because I hear a lot of Israelites who have been in this truth for a few years now reject the Messiah and say that believing in him is idol worship. Many say that there are no scriptures or prophecies that point to or prove he ever existed. In fact, they say that the prophecies we say are about the Messiah are about David, Joshua, and Hezekiah, and some other kings of Israel. But we'll see if that's true or not throughout this study. I have 14 scriptures that I would like to cover, so let's get started. Number one, Micah chapter five, verses one through two. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He have laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come he forth unto me, meaning the Father, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been of old from everlasting. Let's read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now when Yahawashah or Jesus or Yahusha, again, whatever name you go by. Now when Yahawashah was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And lastly, let's go to Matthew 27 and verse 30. And they sped upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. So we see clearly that the Messiah is the judge and ruler from Judah that was struck with the rod. A reed is just a staff made from a plant. A staff and a rod are synonymous. It's used to punish or inflict pain upon somebody. Moving on. Number two, Isaiah 42 verses 1 and 6 through 8. Verse 1, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So let's, let's break this down. So we see that this servant is chosen and pleasing to the Most High. We see that he will bring judgment to the Gentiles. If he's bringing judgment to the Gentiles, that means he must be a judge. That goes back to Micah 5 and 1 that we just discussed. Judgment here, according to the Strong's, Strong's G2920, means condemnation or damnation. The Messiah will bring forth judgment according to the law, which is like unto a sword and fire. Revelation 19 verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, or the Gentiles, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Hebrews 4 and 12. 
For the word of God is quick and powerful than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Second Ezra 13 and 9. And lo, as he saw the violence of the multitude that came, he neither lifted up his hand, nor his sword, nor any instrument of war. This is talking about the Messiah. Let's go down to verse 37 and 38. And this my son shall rebuke the inventions of the nations, or the Gentiles, which for their wicked life are fallen into the tempest, and shall lay before them their evil thoughts, and the torments wherewith they shall begin to be tormented, which are like unto a flame. And he shall destroy them without labor by the law, which is like unto fire. So we see that this chosen servant is the Messiah. Let's see what else this servant was chosen to do. Isaiah 42 and 6. It reads, I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. A covenant of the people. The people are the Israelites, all 12 tribes. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom both broke the covenant, but the northern kingdom was cut off, meaning they were not his people and the Most High was not their God. We see that the Messiah is the servant and he is chosen to give himself to establish a new covenant for the Israelites. A light of the Gentiles. These Gentiles are the northern kingdom. We know this because of Matthew chapter 4 verses 15 and 16 and Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 and 2. They were called Gentiles because they had no covenant. What does it mean to be a light? A light causes one to see and is also symbolic of understanding and wisdom. So we're seeing that Shai is bringing light to one set of Gentiles and judgment to another. The light is for his people. The judgment is for the heathens. Let's go to John 14 and read verse 6. And Yahawashah said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he is the way to the Father. He is the truth. The law is also the truth. That's Psalms 119 and 142. He is the life. What does it mean he is the life? Let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. So through the Messiah, we have eternal life. John chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us that in him was the life, and the life was the light of men. Therefore, he is the light. And the law is also light. Proverbs 6 and 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instructions are the way of life. Let's read a little bit more about the light. John 12 verses 35 and 36. Then Yahweh said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of light. So we see that Christ is calling himself the light. 
He is our light to come out of darkness, a.k.a. sin, to come back to righteousness, meaning to keep the commandments. Let's go to Isaiah 42 and 7. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. The Israelites were blinded, and they are the prisoners that sat in darkness. Darkness means captivity and oppression. You can find that in Psalms 107, verses 10 through 14. And their eyes were blinded. You can read that in Isaiah 6 and 10 and Isaiah 44 and 18. Isaiah 42 and 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. The Most High says that he will not give his praise or glory to another God, meaning idols. Our ancestors made idols, and they served the gods of the other nations, which were idols. That's Psalms 96 and 5. Clearly, the Most High chose this servant, which is his son, to do his will. The glory that the son has is what the Father gave him. He had glory before he came to earth. John 17 and 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. John 17 and 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. So we see that the glory the Most High is referring to is not talking about his son. It's talking about idols. I see a lot of Old Testament onlys trying to use this verse to say that it's talking about the Messiah and it's not. Number three, Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It says a son is given, meaning given as an offering. We'll talk about that a little later. This son will have a government. According to Jeremiah 30 and 21, he himself will be the governor. Let's read it. And their nobles shall be of themselves, meaning the Israelites, and their governor shall proceed from the midst of them, meaning he will be of their people. He will be an Israelite. This child is called the mighty God and the everlasting father. Let's break it down. So the most high is the father. He's the highest. The Messiah is the son of God. Now, is this saying that the Messiah is the father? No. The son was present with the father from the beginning. The most high created his son and gave him authority to create the world and give life. The son is a creator. Therefore, he is God. He's not the most high God. He is the son of God that created the world. Let's dig a little deeper into this. Sirach 18 and 1. He that liveth forever, meaning the Father, have created all things in general. Wisdom of Solomon 9 and 1. O God of my fathers and Lord of mercy, who have made all things with thy word. His word is his son. It is Jehoshaphat. 
the word God is plural. So in Genesis, it says that God created the, the firmament, the grass, the sea, and etc. right? I see it as saying the father and the son created all things. The father spoke it. The son created it. The most high came up with the blueprint and the son executed it. And the father saw that it was good and pleasing unto him. Colossians 1 verses 15 through 19. Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. John 1 verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And lastly, Hebrews chapter 1 verses 6 and 8 and 10. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. In verse 10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning have made the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. And thou, Lord, in the beginning have made the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. We see why this child is called God, the mighty God, because he created the world with the Father. If the Most High is the Father God, and his Son is the Son of God, he is God too. He just doesn't have authority over his Father. This child is also said to be the Prince of Peace. A prince is the next in line to be king. Christ came to give and restore peace between his people. Under his rulership is how we, the Israelites, will dwell safely and be at peace. John 14 and 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let your, let your heart not be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Romans 5 and 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 verses 14 through 17. For he is our peace who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments containing ordinances for to make in himself of twain one man so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were near Jeremiah 23 and 6 in his days, speaking of Christ, 
Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. So we see that he is truly the Prince of Peace. And later on, we'll see he's the King of Peace. Isaiah 9 and 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore. So we see that there will be no end to his kingdom. Let's read it in Luke chapter 1 verses 32 and 33. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So the Son of Man is the Messiah, the Son that was born and given for the people of Israel. The Ancient of Days is the Father. The Messiah came to the throne of his Father when he ascended back to heaven. We read that in Acts 1 and 9. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. He fulfilled the Father's will to be the sacrifice for the people of Israel. Now he's sitting at the right hand of his Father until, until he returns to put all his enemies under his feet. We see that the Father gave him dominion, meaning rulership and authority, gave him glory, and he gave him a kingdom that is everlasting and that will never be destroyed. There is no way these verses could be talking about anybody other than the Messiah. Not David, not Joshua, not Hezekiah, not any other king that the Old Testament only try to fit in here. It doesn't work. All right. Number four. Genesis 49 verses 10 and 11. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So a scepter represents rulership and power. The rulership will not depart from Judah. All kings that will rule Israel will come out of David's lineage according to the covenant the Most High made with David. A lawgiver, according to Malachi 1 and 7, the priest were the lawgivers. Essentially what we're reading is that out of Judah would come one who would be king and a priest. Let's read Zechariah 6 and verse 13. Even he shall build the temple, meaning the kingdom of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory and sit and rule upon the throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both, meaning that he will rule the people with peace and as a mediator or a priest 
he will be making peace between the people and the Most High. Let's go to Hebrews 4 and 4 and 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hebrews 5 verses 8 through 10. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of, of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7 verses 1 through 3. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Verse 3. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Melchizedek is the king of Salem. Salem was an early name for Jerusalem. He had no earthly parents. He had an eternal origin, like Michael 5 and 2 read. It says Melchizedek was made like unto the Son of God who we know to be Christ, and it says that he is a priest continually. This is telling us that Abraham met Christ as Melchizedek, and that he was always our high priest, just as he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Things take place in the heavenly realm, and then it manifests in the earth at the most highest appointed time. Okay, let's get back to Genesis 49 and 10. It says, until Shiloh comes. Shiloh is referring to the Messiah. Shiloh means tranquility. Another word would be peace. Didn't Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7 say that the son would be the prince of peace? See, every, everything ties together. Genesis 49 and 11. Binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's coat unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in blood and his clothes in the blood of grapes, binding his foal or donkey to the vine. We can read that in Zechariah 9 and 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt. The, fo the foil of an ass. This was fulfilled in Matthew 21 verses 1 through 5. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, they will come to Bethage, unto the Mount of Olives. Then sent Yahweh two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord have need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting on an ass, and a colt the foil of an ass. 
Genesis 49 and 11 also says that he washed his garments in wine and the blood of grapes. So this is symbolic of the blood of the wicked. This has yet to happen. Let's read Isaiah 63 verses 1 through 5. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is great in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in my anger, and trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. And yet you got Christians that think it's about to be all sunshine and rainbows and skittles when the Messiah comes back. Let's get Revelation 19 and 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Number five, Isaiah 52 verses 13 and 14. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. So this servant will be able to deal wisely and he will be able to do so because the father's spirit is on him. Remember what we read in Isaiah 42 and 1. And you can also go to Isaiah uh, chapter 11 and verse 2 and it lists all the spirits that was on this child or the Messiah, right? Yahawashai was straightforward in his approach with the Pharisees as they criticized him and tried to trap him with their questions. He made them reflect on themselves with the responses he gave them. In every situation, he knew how to handle himself. It says that he will be exalted and be very high. This is referring to when he would be on the cross or the tree. John 3 and 14 and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John 12 and 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. When Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, it was to heal the Israelites of the snake bites. And we today are healed by his stripes. That's Isaiah 53 verse 5. Verse 14 of Isaiah 52. As many were astoring at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the son of man. Astoring means to be shocked, to be shook, to be appalled. Why? Because of how bad our Messiah would be beaten. And I'm going to read the GNB translation. That's the Good News Bible translation. It says... And many people were shocked when they saw him. He was so disfigured that he hardly looked human. You know how bad you got to beat somebody for them to not even look human anymore? For them to not even look like themselves? Let's go to Matthew chapter 26 and read verse 67. Then they spit in his face and buffeted him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands. So they slapped him and punched him. Matthew 27 and 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Yahawashai, he delivered him to be crucified. Scourge means to beat with a whip as punishment or torture. 
the whips he received broke his skin. He probably had flesh falling off, more than likely. And lastly, Luke chapter 23 and 16. I would therefore chastise him and release him. This is Pilate speaking. He found no fault in him, but he ordered him to be chastised by punching and whipping him. And you got to think about it. The whipping, the punching, the slapping, it was was done repeatedly. It just wasn't a one-time thing. So my question for the Old Testament only is, how can this be David or any other king? Where can we read about it in scripture or any source that says that a king of Israel was beaten this bad? Moving on, number six, Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Let's go to Revelation 1 and 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. David also prophesied of one being pierced. Let's read Psalms 22, verses 16 through 18. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, meaning the Romans. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them. They cast lots upon my vesture. So when was David, Hezekiah, or any other king pierced? And their clothes were parted and cast lots for. I'll wait. We only find these things being done to the Messiah. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27 and read verse 35. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was written by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did cast lots. John 19 Verses 32 through 37. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Yahweh, they saw that he was dead already. They brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, They shall look upon him whom they pierced. Number 7. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 1. Who have believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm is referring to his son, the Messiah. Verse 2, And he shall grow up before him, meaning the father, as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So this verse is saying that when our ancestors saw the Messiah, his appearance didn't draw them to him. 
we will see later that this tender plant will become a branch. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. David also wrote that the Messiah would be despised and mocked. Let's go to Psalms 22 verses 6 through 8. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighteth in him. Let's go to Matthew 27, verses 39 through 43. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. And saying, You that destroyest the temple and build it in three days, save thyself. If you be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. So our people saw the affliction of the Messiah as punishment from the Most High. They didn't understand that he was being afflicted for their transgressions. The Pharisees, the chief priests, were all experts of the law and the prophets. But they couldn't see that the Messiah was fulfilling prophecy. Nor could they see that they were fulfilling scriptures of being blind and mocking him and rejecting him. Just like our people today who are rejecting the Messiah, they don't even realize they're fulfilling scriptures. Isaiah 53 verses 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So this is saying that the Most High looked upon his son and was pleased at his obedience to be offered as a sacrifice for the sin of his people. This was his will. The Messiah, the righteous servant, will justify many. The many are the Israelites whom he died for. You can read that in Isaiah 45 and 25. Number 8, Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command him. The Most High will raise up a prophet among the Israelites, like Moses. Moses was a mediator and a priest from the tribe of Levi. 
A mediator or intercessor is one who intervenes between two parties to establish or to restore peace. We know Moses went to God many times on behalf of our ancestors when they complained and rebelled. We also know that Moses was the mediator of the covenant. You can find that in Exodus 24 verses 6 through 8. And we can read it in Galatians 3 and 19. Wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. That mediator was Moses. So this prophet would be from among his people, and a mediator and priest like Moses. Let's read Luke 24 and 19. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, Concerning Yahushua of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. John 6 and 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Yahushua did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. We know that Yahushua is the mediator of the new covenant. Hebrews 9 and 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death and the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. 1 Timothy 2 and 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, that man, Christ Jesus, or Yahweh we know that Christ is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, as we discussed a little bit earlier. He came out of Judah. Let's read Hebrews 7 and 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Moses said the prophet would speak the words of the Father. The Messiah indeed didn't speak his own words. Let's read John 8 and 26. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. John 14 and 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the work. Number 9, Proverbs 30 and 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? So we see that the Creator has a son. Let's see what his name is. Second Ezra 7, verses 28 and 29. For my son Jesus shall be revealed with those that be with him and they that remain shall rejoice within 400 years after these years shall my son christ die and all men that have life so we see that the name of the son was given to esdras or ezra we know that his name was not jesus whether you call him yahusha yahusha yasha you know because i know y'all like to tussle over those names the point I'm proving is that the Most High has a son, and he has a name, and it was given to Ezra. 
That's all I'm saying. All right. And Esdras also says that the son will be revealed with those that be with him, meaning the disciples. It says within 400 years. That's talking about um, during the Roman captivity. Because at this time, Ezra was in the Persian captivity. So during the Roman captivity, the Messiah was born. Then it tells us that Christ and his disciples will die, as we see throughout the New Testament. Number 10, Psalms 118 and 26. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. John 12, verses 12 and 13. On the next day, much people that will come to the feast, when they heard that Yahweh was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Number 11, Daniel chapter 2 verses 34 and 35. Thou sawest till a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. Who is this stone that was cut without hands? Nobody but the Messiah. First Peter 2 and 7. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. And unto them which be disobedient. The stone which the builders disallowed. The same is made the head of the corner. Isaiah 28 and 16. Therefore thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. And last, 2 Ezra 5 and 5. And blood shall drop out of wood, and the stone shall give his voice, and the people shall be troubled. So we see the stone is Christ. Daniel in verse 35 says that the stone became a great mountain and filled the earth. This means that the Messiah's kingdom will have dominion over the whole earth. We saw earlier in Daniel 7 and in Isaiah 9 that his kingdom and dominion would be everlasting. Number 12, Numbers 24, verses 17 through 19. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. So it says a star out of Jacob. A star gives light. We saw that the Messiah came to give light to the Gentiles, which are the northern kingdom and the scattered southern kingdom known as Greeks. We know that this star will come out of Judah according to Genesis 49 and 10. Verse 18 of, And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies. And Israel shall do valiantly. Amos 9 and 12. That they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, saith the Lord that does this. So the Edomites will become a possession of the Israelites. 
because the Most High said so, and because the blessing Isaac blessed Jacob with said that he will be Lord over his brethren. I think that's in Genesis 27. Genesis 27 and 29, I think. All right, let's read Obadiah 1 and 19. And they of the south shall possess the mountain of Esau. Again, this is talking about the Israelites. So we see that Edom and uh, and their land will be in the possession of the Israelites. Numbers 24 and 19. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. We know by now that this is the Messiah. And we read many times so far that his kingdom and his dominion will be everlasting. Number 13, we almost done. Jeremiah 23 verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. A righteous branch. Remember in um, Isaiah 52, he started out as a tender plant. And it says, And a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Zechariah 3 and 8. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch. Zechariah 6 and 12. And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple, meaning the kingdom of the Lord. Isaiah 11 and verse 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The branch and the rod is Yahawashai, a descendant of Jesse and David from the tribe of Judah. The rod signifies power and rulership. The Most High made a covenant with David that he will always have a son to sit on the throne. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 12 and 13 and when thy days be fulfilled you shall sleep with your fathers i will set up your seed after thee which shall proceed from thy bowels and i will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name i will establish the throne of his kingdom forever this is talking about solomon because he did rule after david and he did build the house of the most high but his kingdom was not forever it ended this is talking about the messiah because as we've seen repeatedly his kingdom will never end or be destroyed jeremiah 23 and 6 in his days judah shall be saved and israel shall dwell safely and this is his name whereby he shall be called the lord our righteousness why is he called our righteousness Number one, he loves righteousness and hates sin. Let's read Hebrews 1 verses 8 and 9. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. So he will rule the kingdom in righteousness. Verse 9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hateth iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, meaning his father, have anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. 
Number two, he is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. And number three, from eternity he was righteous. Hebrews 7 and 2. We know that this is referring to Christ as Melchizedek. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that, king of Salem, which is king of peace. Number 14, Psalms 110. And I'm only going to focus on verses 1 and 4. This is a psalm of David. I've been hearing Israelites say that this psalm was written by a Levite, and David had nothing to do with it. I've been looking high and low to see, you know, where they get this information from and can't find it at all. Yeah, I'm going to go with what the book says. It says it's a psalm of David. David wrote it. Then who going to get the credit from me? David wrote this song in the spirit. Whose spirit? The spirit of Christ. We read this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 7. It was Christ who spoke through the prophets. And David was a prophet according to Acts 2 verses 29 and 30. Psalms 110 verse 1. The Lord, meaning the Father, said unto my Lord, the Son, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This can't be talking about David as so many Old Testament Israelites proclaim it to be. For one, the Most High put all of David's enemies under his feet. Let's go to 1 Kings 5 and read verses 3 and 4. You know how David, my father, could not build a house unto the name of the Lord, his God, for the wars which were about him on every side, until... The Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Verse 4. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurring. There was peace. All David's enemies were gone. That's why Solomon was able to rule in peace and build the temple. Furthermore, the Most High never told David to sit at his right hand. But he did tell him that he will always have a son to sit on the throne. Let's read Matthew 22, verses 41 through 45. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Yahweh asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said unto him, The son of David. And he said unto them, How doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? So we have confirmation from the mouth of Yahweh Shai that David was talking about him. But you know, Old Testament onlys, they make up all these crazy doctrines because they reject the New Testament. And they're doing their own stuff a disservice. But you know, everybody got a part to play. Alright, moving on. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, 
The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. So this is further confirmation that David was not talking about himself. The writer of Hebrews also makes it known that this song was talking about Messiah. Hebrews 10 and verses 12 and 13. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 24 through 28. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he have put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is, that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then the Son of Man also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. The kingdom is turned over to the Father after all kingdoms, powers, and enemies have been subdued. Now, the Antichrist and the OT onlys will say, I thought you said Christ's kingdom would never end. It'll be forever. This verse is saying the opposite. Told you you can't trust that New Testament. Told you the New Testament ain't nothing but lies. Let's go to Revelation 22 and read verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. This shows us that the Son still has dominion in the kingdom because he is sitting on his own throne. Therefore, he still has dominion. Therefore, he still has rulership. All things must be subdued by the sun, so the earth can go back to righteousness and purity in order for the Father to dwell in it, because he cannot dwell or look upon sin. Psalms 110 and verse 4. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We already discussed that Melchizedek is Christ. Let's read Hebrews 6 and 20. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Yahawashah, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So what is the order of Melchizedek? Simply is being a king and a priest. Let's read Genesis 14 and 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek, or Christ, is our high priest. The role of high priest was to make atonement or reconciliation for the sins of Israel. And we know that's exactly what our Messiah did. Let's read some scriptures to prove this. 1 John 4 and 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Hebrews 2 and 17. 
Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now, I've heard Israelites say that this is talking about David being Melchizedek simply because he wore the linen ephod in 2 Samuel 6 and 14. True enough, the ephod was worn by the high priest. I think by David wearing it, it revealed that out of Judah would come one who would be a king and a high priest, just as we saw in Genesis 49 and 10, Zechariah 6 and 13, and as we just read, is the order of Melchizedek. So that sums up the lesson. I hope you all were able to see and understand that the Messiah is in the volume of the book. There were multiple prophecies of his coming. We learned that Yahawashai has many roles in heaven and on earth, such as high priest, he's God, creator, servant, prophet, king, judge, and a prince. We also learned that it was the spirit of Christ that spoke through the prophets about himself. I gotta be honest though, it bothers me that so many brothers and sisters reject the Messiah. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. It is written in Deuteronomy 18:19 that those who don't obey his voice will be destroyed. It is written in Matthew 10 verses 32 and 33 that many will deny the Messiah and he will deny them before the Father. It is written in Matthew 24 and 11 that there will be false prophets and that many will be deceived. Everyone has a part to play in the Father's script of life. Some were born to believe, others were not. Some were born to inherit life, others were born to be destroyed. That's a simple fact, but it can be hard to digest. There are some consequences for rejecting the Messiah, and I'll go through three. Number one, you won't inherit eternal life. 1 John 5, verses 10 through 12. He that believeth the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. So when you don't believe in the Son, you call him the Most High a liar. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God have given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son have life. And he that have not the son have not life. Number two, if you deny the son, he will deny you before the father. Matthew 10 and 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father, which is in heaven. First John 2 verses 22 and 23. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Yahweh is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same have not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. The sad thing is, even the unclean spirits and the evil spirits don't deny Christ. And you can read that in Mark chapter 1, verses 23 through 25, and Acts 19 and verse 15. 
And number three, you are anti-Christ because you deny that Christ has not come or doesn't exist. 1 John 4 verses 2 and 3. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the Spirit is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is in the world. We got Israelites in 2023 saying the Messiah hasn't been born yet. The scripture just said that he already came in the flesh. But that's right. Those who say that say the New Testament isn't legit. So that that makes sense. But, you know, you just plan your part. And that's what you were created to do. So do your thing, right? We are truly living in some wild times, Israel. We got Israelites saying that the Messiah hadn't been born yet. You got the other half of Israelites still saying that the Arabians are Esau, which doesn't make any sense. You are literally saying we have a whole nother captivity to go through. And, and, and me, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm, I'm ready to go home. I am ready to get out of Babylon. I ain't, I ain't got another captivity in me, okay? And then you got Israelites who done remixed Thanksgiving and tried to make it a day for the Most High. And on top of that, they said it's okay to eat pork now. That is straight madness. Then again, madness is one of the curses we're under. So it, it, it all, it makes sense. Because the, there is madness in Israel. Always has been, but it, it, it getting a little worse now from, from, from my vantage point. We, we, our people wilding out. But you know, every day, someone's true colors are being revealed. Many of our friends, family, co-workers, Ministries in this truth and in Christianity are being exposed by the Most High. He's revealing that they don't believe what the scriptures say. They accept some things and they reject some things to fit their feelings and their agenda. I'll close out with this. One qualification of the elect is the acceptance of the Messiah. Let's read 1 John 2 verses 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Simply put, some people we came into this truth with may not be chosen, and that's a bitter pill to swallow. But the Father's will must be done. All of Israel was called, but only a few chosen. The separation process is happening, and it's happening fast. The Most High is revealing everything at a rapid rate right now. So, I pray you all stay vigilant, keep enduring, Keep the faith in the Son and keep the Father's commandments. And until next time, Shalom.